You're listening to audio from Restoration Church. If you enjoyed the message and would like to get connected to our church, follow us on social media at Restoration Cambridge or at our website, restoration-church.ca. Send us a message and we would love to hear from you. An inflection point is when the line is going straight and then there's this point that happens where the trajectory of the line starts to change. That's the inflection point where everything, you were heading in the same direction. And then there's this point of decision where the line starts to shift. And you could probably think in your life, all of the important things that have happened to you, whether good or bad, started at this inflection point. There was a point of decision where maybe you had to take a risk, step out of what you knew to be comfortable, and your life started to change, whether that's with your spouse, the job you have, the place that you live, maybe you come from somewhere else and you've moved. There was a point of decision before all of this other stuff happened where you didn't know what the future held, but that started to change the trajectory of your life. That's an inflection point. I just get the sense, and maybe this is why you shouldn't send me on vacation for a couple of weeks because I do a lot of thinking. When I'm on vacation. No, I'm just kidding. It was really good. I get this sense after a lot of prayer, meditation, and just kind of unrest in my heart over the last couple of months. I think we as a church, Restoration Church, I think we're at a really important place in time in the life of our church. I think we're at an inflection point. Where we could go a couple of different directions. We could just keep going as we're going. And this would be a great church. I love this church. I love the people in the church. Man, I'm so thankful to God for the people that are in this church and the community that God has built. It's, it's really, it has been amazing to see and to be a part of. So we could keep going on that. And I think it would be fine. I just get this sense, though, that God has something more for us. We have such a great church. And we could just make it this. I just get this unrest that God has something more for us than what we can even picture right now. And I'm not talking about becoming a big church or, you know, having, like, visions of, you know, whatever that looks like. I have no idea what it looks like. And this was not like a bait and switch where it's like, okay, we spent some years with you. Now you're into the church and Aaron's had this master plan all along. I have no idea what it looks like. I just can't get out of my head, especially spending after a couple of weeks and being like, what is my life going to look like for the next 10, 20, 30 years that God has something more for us as a church? Maybe you feel the same way about your life. You know, I, I could just kind of keep going along as I am, the Christian that comes to church on Sundays and we're good people. Or is there something more for me? I think we're at an inflection point where I am asking the question, God, what do you have for us? In our passage today, Jesus is gathered around a table. And his disciples have no idea 
what glories are about. To, they don't know that Jesus is about to die, is about to be raised again. They have no idea what a church is. They have no idea what all of those things are. They have no idea what apostling is, all of those things. They have no idea of the glories that are to come. And Jesus doesn't give them specifics of what is about to come, but he does tell them about a point in time, a point of decision, a point, an inflection point where everything's going to start to change. Did you notice it from the passage? When the spirit of truth comes, everything's going to start to change in your life. And it does. After Jesus dies and is buried, buried and rises again, that's not even the point where everything starts to change for them. That's like the, the historical, yeah, that's, the, that's where the history starts to change for their lives in the church. And as the church spreads across, the, 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 especially that, that generation, Jesus said, stay in this space, and they're kind of in a holding pattern, but once this point comes, the spirit of truth comes, everything starts to change, and throughout the book of Acts, which is the growth of the church, you see these amazing things happen, like... Man, there's a church in Antioch that started a movement uh, worldwide from that, from that point of seeing disciples come to faith, churches being planted, planted, leaders being raised up, and then more churches being planted. Man, they reached thousands and millions of people upon this church of Antioch. But there was a point in time of decision for them where they had two of their best leaders, Paul and Barnabas, who they could have said, no, 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 they're too good. We're going to keep them. What if they said, no, 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 you know what? There's too much to risk. They're going to stay with us and just going to pass through this church and it's going to be great. But they prayed and fasted and sought the Holy Spirit and sent them out. And man, everything exploded from that point onward. So you can focus on like the glories that are there, but there always begins with a point, an inflection point where everything starts to change. Paul, when he was out doing his missionary journeys and planting churches, was just satisfied with planting in what's known as Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey, the churches of Galatia and Ephesus and all those other churches. And as he's going around in his missionary journey, the Spirit says, gives him a vision of a man from Macedonia and says, you need to come to Macedonia. And Paul has a choice. It's an inflection point in his life. Am I going to follow the Spirit's leading or am I just going to stay and do what is familiar to me? And because Paul decides to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, man, that's like when you look at the New Testament, that's like the church of the Philippians, the Thessalonians, the Corinthians, the Athenians. All of those people were, became Christians because of this point in time where Paul says, yes, I'm going to go to Macedonia. I'm going to follow the Spirit's leading in my life. And you can focus on the amazing things that happened, but it began with a point, a decision that my life is going to look different than it, what I assumed it was going to look. It's how it always begins. Every inflection point, though, is a risk to your life, to your comfort, to your bank account, to the stability, to the relationships. I mean, man, when Paul decides to follow the Holy Spirit and go to Macedonia, you know what the first thing that happens is? What's the first thing that happens if you know your book of Acts? Gets thrown in jail. How's that following the Holy Spirit? 
Go to the first city. The first city I go to is Philippi, and they throw me in jail. How, how many of you be sitting in jail being like, well, okay, uh, I could have just stayed back with the churches I already planted. Every inflection point where you decide to follow the Holy Spirit is a risk that you take onto yourself. And man, I, I think I feel the discomfort of that because I don't really know what the future has for me. I thought I was just going to be like, here, here's what we're going to do. This is what we are. This is what we're all we're going to become. But if God has something more for us that we need to follow the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be a risk to us. The Holy Spirit, though, is always an inflection point in your life. If nothing happens, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit's a part of it. It's always an inflection point. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all the truth. You see that in verse 13? He's going to guide you into all. By the way, we usually we kind of look at a long passage. I'm going to focus on basically that sentence. He's going to guide you into all the truth. So what is this point, this inflection point leading you to? When Jesus says into all the truth, more specifically likely, it's in it's not like he's going to give you like new insight in the sense of, I think sometimes you read a passage like, you're like okay, God's going to give me all the answers in life then. He's going to show me everything. I'm going to know the truth. I'm going to be like Ken Jennings on Jeopardy. I sound like a nerd that I know who Ken Jennings is. Anyone know who Ken Jennings is? The guy who won like 100 games in a row, whatever it was. I love Jeopardy. That's my favorite game show. I just like the trivia behind it. But uh, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not going to all of a sudden guide you into all the truth, so now you're going to be the one with all the answers. You know, Jeremy's the guy, he's the guru in the group because the Holy Spirit has led him into all the truth. And it's like, I know everything about your life, so just come to me and I'll tell you the truth. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think some people almost like by pride and selfishness, they become the modern watchdogs because they think they have like the truth and discernment on everything that's happening in the world and they don't. I don't know what's going on half the time. So I don't think that's what Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. For one, when he says the truth, there is a definite article there, not just saying he's going to guide you into truth so that you'll know everything, but he says the truth, which I think is a nod to what Jesus has already said in our passage from a very important and known verse, which is John 14, 6, which says, Jesus says, I am what? The way the truth and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not Jesus is not saying, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you the truth. I'm going to show you the life. But Jesus says, I am those things. Here's the point that I think the Holy Spirit is, Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is going to do in, for the Christian. Everything in your life intersects with the person of Jesus. That's what it means. Every, it's not that you're going to have every answer in life, but it means Alyssa, Natasha, everything in your life is going to intersect in the person of Jesus. How you see the world and how you see yourself as a person is going to intersect in the person of Jesus. You will, you, without Jesus, you will not be able to see the world and see yourself as you were always meant to be seen. Everything intersects in Jesus. 
what I know about God, what I know about the world, and what, what I know about my life intersects in the person of Jesus. Did you know this? God's self-expression in this world is through the person of Jesus. Even when we say the word of God, more specifically, what do we refer that to? The Bible? More specifically, that's Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. He is God's full self-expression in the world. Check out, I don't have it on the screen because I forgot to give this to you, Nico. Sorry, sorry, man. It's not Nico's fault. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 3, says this. If I can find it there quickly. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, speaking of now, he has spoken to us by who? His son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the full self. You cannot know God if you don't know Jesus. That's what it's saying. If you don't know Jesus... You don't know God. In the same way, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know what it means to be a person, a human created in the image of God. That creator God, Jesus, created me in his image, which means that we now live out the way that God loves in the world. We love the same way. The way that God is good in the world, we are good to each other the same way. The way that God relates to himself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the way that we are to relate to each other as a church. We take on the image of God, and in Jesus, we are restored to that image, the way we were always meant to be. This is really important, okay? This is really, really important. In Jesus, the way that Jesus lives, the truth about Jesus, this is really important. We live in a manner in which you were always meant to live. We pursue in a way we were always meant to pursue. We think and desire in a way we were always meant to think and desire. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4 says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are in the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him. In glory. That, you know how people say, like, this is my truth, this is my way, this is my. What is true in the Bible is if you are living the image of Jesus, that is your truth. That is the truest way you were always supposed to live. Jesus is my truth. Every wrong that we commit isn't just like a moral thing. It's not just like whether, is this right or is this wrong? Every wrong, like every disobedience, every rejection of the life that Jesus has has for us is a deception of what is real. 
Sometimes we think that following Jesus means I'm becoming less of myself. No, following Jesus is you're becoming more of yourself the way that God has intended you to live. And if you reject Jesus, you are being deceived of what life is supposed to be. Amen. Someone throw me an amen. Toss me an amen every now and then. Do you understand what I'm saying, Brooke? Like the true Brooke is when she is living the image of Jesus, not the other way around. Super important. Selfishness, ironically, is not actually you. When you live selfishly, say when you follow this, and say you follow Christ but reject him with your life, you become not more like you but less. It's a facade of who you're really supposed to be. You've been deceived and are believing a lie. Every time we are tempted to live in a manner of away from the person of Jesus, we're believing a lie about ourselves. Christ is your way, your truth, your life. That's the truth the Holy Spirit guides us into. And the Spirit awakens us to that truth. He speaks, as it says in this passage, he speaks what Jesus speaks. In verse 13, he says, uh, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. I believe the things that are to come are the patterns and life obedience in the kingdom in view of what Jesus is about to do in his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus is the truth. But it's the spirit. If Jesus is the truth, it's the spirit that's going to guide you into all the implications of how to live that truth. He puts eyes, ears, feet, hands on the image of Jesus. How you see, how you hear, where you go, and what you do. It's the spirit who supernaturally helps you become into the image of Jesus. And he uses the word. He's going to guide you there. He's going to guide you there. Which I think is this. I love the word guide. Because it's real. And I've lived that. I think the word guide means an intentional formation that's going to take some time. An intentional formation. See, when you become a follower of Jesus, it's the spirit that forms us into the image of Jesus. Last week we talked about this a bit. I can't spend a ton of time. Last week we talked about this. We are always being formed as people. Cherish, I don't like to admit that. I am always being formed and influenced by the environment that I inhabit. And you might live, you know, and say, no, Aaron, I'm, I'm completely like, I am, I am completely, you know, like I'm a rock to everything else in the atmosphere, the environment that I'm in. We are always being formed we like to think that the views we have, <laughs> you know, the views we have, the person I am comes from like some magical place inside of us. 
But the person that I am is determined by the environment that I've always been in. Like, it's the, I am being formed. You can't escape it. You're shaped by the experiences you have, the relationships that are in your life. The people you spend time with are forming you into the person you are. You can't get away from it. It just is. The things that you spend your time doing, the habits that you have, whether you plan on doing them or not, are forming you into something. You can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. There's, uh, I heard a great quote from a gentleman, or at least uh, not a quote, but just something he'd said. Uh, a gentleman named John Mark Comer, who's, you know, we're doing a lot of reading. Um, you know what he said the most defining, according to studies, you know what the most defining time of the day is? You got a guess? The most defining time of the day. You know what it is? When you go to bed at night and right when you wake up in the morning. And then you read the Psalms and you discover why that's so important just before you go to bed and right when you wake up in the morning. Those are the two most defining times of every day. Right when you go to bed and right when you wake up in the morning. Now, what are most people in our world doing right before they go to bed? And you think, I'm not being formed. Really? What are most people doing right before they go to bed? I'm assuming most people are sitting on the couch watching Netflix. Because a lot of nights that's what I'm doing. Right? Anyone with me on that? You're probably sitting on the couch watching Netflix being entertained. And then, you know, as a... We, we, always, we always think, okay, here's fundamentalism. Those were from really hyper-conservative hyper backgrounds. Here's fundamentalism. They didn't let us do anything or watch anything. So basically, I can do and watch whatever I want. I think you are mistaken, brother and sister. You still have to be careful of what's forming you and influencing your life by the things that you are watching. Don't think that you're some, like, you're above all of that. You're not. I'm not either. We are being formed, guided into some truth. What are most people doing? Right? What do most people do right when they wake up in the morning? Come on, be honest with me. Thank you, Margaret. Yeah, you reach for your phone. Do your doom scrolling. And then the rest of your day, you're bitter and angry and envious of the world around you. And you wonder, why are people so angry? Why are people so bitter? Maybe because they're starting their morning with a breakfast full of bitterness and envy, right? And not the word of God. We are formed by the environments we live in. You can't get away from it. It just is. We're far less individualistic than we are comfortable believing, and you're so formed you don't even see it. You sometimes refuse to believe that you are. But knowing that we are being formed, here's the answer. If the Spirit is what guides us into all the truth about who we are and how the world is and what Jesus has done for us, 
We intentionally engage in spiritual formation. We intentionally have to engage in spiritual formation. The habits, practices, and stories determine how you think, how you live, and how you breathe. And if the spirit is what is going to guide you into that truth so that you will not live a deception, then you must intentionally fill your life with spiritual formation. And I guess my question to you is, how much, like, take a look at back at your past week. How much did you intentionally fill your life with spiritual formation? Like, did you intentionally have a time where I'm going to read the scriptures at this time? I'm going I'm to start my day in prayer with, with God, my Father, at this time. I'm going to gather with these Christians at this time. I'm going to, before dinner, I'm going to lead my kids in, in, in a prayer and a scripture so that they are spiritually formed in the same way. My assumption, and I'm not just bashing you because I'm looking at myself, my assumption is we are woefully short on how much we intentionally engage the Holy Spirit in how our lives are formed. And then we think, man, why am I, why do I not, why am I not where I'm, why, where I want to be? It's not that hard. I mean, it is. It takes time. But I think the answer is not that hard. We just don't. And don't give me the, the don't give me, because I've said the same thing. I just don't have time. Don't give me that. Because we do have time. You make time for the things that you think are important in your life. You will always make time for the things that you think are important in your life. So you do have time. Even better, when you, even better than just pursuing an intentional spiritual formation, is even better when you are in an environment that is doing that formation together. It's like a double whammy, you know? Like, here's the Holy Spirit guiding us into the truth. But I'm also in an environment where I'm influenced also by people that are doing the same thing. That's like a double whammy of healthy Holy Spirit guiding us into the truth. As a church, we're really going to focus on this. We got Bible studies that a lot of them have ended uh, before Easter. Uh, So we're going to be rolling out um, this, basically. We don't have have all the details wrapped up in a bow, so I'm not going to say them here, because I don't even have all the details wrapped up in a bow yet. But we're really going to be focusing throughout the spring and the summer. We're not going to do our traditional Bible studies. These are going to be more intensive than Bible studies, but we want you, if you are serious, not just like, I just, yeah, I need to be a part of a small group because that's what you do. Or I need to be, I need to be mentored because I think that's kind of what I, I, I need to do. No, no. If you are serious about, I want the Holy Spirit to guide me into the truth, in the truth. then I think we're going to challenge each other this spring and summer to intensively pursue that.
We'll give you more details on what's coming. But we want you to be a part of that. What is also true when it says the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth, it also is going to take time. It is possible that, well, there's an inflection point, but that inflection point is not going to stand alone. It's always possible to stray, and so we continually seek the Holy Spirit's guidance as a church and as Christians. It is the Holy Spirit that is going to change our lives. When he comes, he will guide you into the truth. To take you where you thought, you never thought or never planned you would go. I think back in my life, you know, even five years ago, I, I wouldn't even know you. I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know any of you five years ago. And the Holy Spirit has continued to take me to places I never thought or planned on going. And I just get the sense that he, he's not done. There's something even bigger coming. So we need to seek the Spirit in this season. We've got some things planned on how we're going to do that as well. But I wanted to give some time. What time is it, Matt? Okay. I speak way too long every single Sunday. It's okay. I'm going to give you five minutes right now. I want you, if you're like, man, I'm feeling the same thing you are, Aaron. I think there's something more for this church. I want us to seek the Spirit right now. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do is just, you can pray on your own. You can turn to the person beside you, or what I'd even love to see is pray out loud and just hear a congregation of prayers seeking the Holy Spirit, that he would do three things, okay? This is, what, this is not going to be rocket science. This is really what I want to see the Spirit do. One, I want the Spirit to change my life. There are things in my life, man, that I'm like, I need to be guided and whatever that looks like for you maybe you need to write that down and get a piece of paper and be like Aaron I need to stop watching like three hours of Netflix before I go to bed and be guided by the spirit I'd love to hear and how we can help you do that or whatever that looks like for you I, I want my life to be my life needs to be changed and I think I'm at a point where I can't keep going just doing what I'm doing something has to change Secondly, I think the Holy Spirit needs to change our church. It is so possible to, when you start a church and then you get stability, you get really comfortable. You're like, this is great. This is awesome. But then you close yourself off to, like, to, to the risk that maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you to take. I don't know what that is yet. And so we need to seek the Spirit. I think it is something. Thirdly, and I think this is where we really need to get serious about, especially church in Canada. We need to see people come to save, come to salvation. I can't be a church for the next 20 years where it's just Christians that gather every Sunday. I can't do that. And I love Christians, and I'm one too, so you have to accept me too because I'm a Christian. 
we need to see people come to faith and have not that be a weird thing but that's Pray on your own. Pray to sit people beside you, or I would encourage you to pray out loud, begging the Holy Spirit to do those three things.